Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I'm ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Well, let's go! Woo! Here we go, baby. Wednesday night, April 7th. It's time for some sports honchos. With yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert from the great state of New York. And everybody, please say hello to my favorite honcho, Mr. Robert Cooney from the great state of Maryland. Robert, how are you, sir? Greetings and salutations, everybody. I am, in the immortal words of Dick Nixon, I am tan, rested, and ready. Okay, I'm pasty, rested, and ready. After a week of spring break, 10 days, 240 hours of nonstop partying, I'm ready. I'm relaxed, ready for another extravaganza that we like to call the sports honchos. And before we begin, before we get too far down the road, a hearty, loving, warm sports honchos, mazel mazel, good things to our favorite lacrosse coach, Brian Lanham, and his lovely wife, Claire, gave birth yesterday to Charlotte Jane Lanham, seven pounds, 10 and a half ounces, 20 and three quarters inches. Again, mazel mazel, uh, Let's hope he's a better father than he is a lacrosse coach. Just Ooh. kidding, Brian. We, we love you. Congratulations. But we are going to pick apart every coaching move you make once the season begins. Don't worry. That's what we do here. So, yeah, there you go. Mazel, mazel. Good things. Oh, mazel, mazel. Very good news. Very nice stuff. Very great things to hear on this. Yes. And, um, and can, can we call it a little honcho? Yes, I'm hoping that he actually gets her a T-shirt that says, I'm the littlest honcho. Because Brian is a, a long time, all 27 episodes, a long time fan of this high-quality podcast program. So well, we got to get him he, on the air one night so he can say, hey, how you doing out there? Uh, first time, long time. Yes, that's we have, we have yet to hear someone say, hello, first time, long time. I'll hang up and take your answer off the air. <laughs> God help us if we ever take phone calls because it'll be, you know, family members calling. Am I on the air? And then sitting through the dreadful not turning your radio down so you get that delay. Oh, the delay. There's a, people who should not be allowed to call radio shows. But that's not us yet. And we welcome anyone who wishes to call and add any insight. And Remember, give, give them the number, Rob. Give it 911, folks. That's the hotline to the hits, as we like to say. I mean, you can always tweet uh... us, but. 911 is so much more immediate. And someone's always there to answer the phone. And you never Operators. know when, when the honchos yes. are going to break some breaking news. It's happened right. on the show. Operators are always standing by when you call the honchos hotline. 911. 911. Rob, uh, before we start the show, any yes, uh, baseball Hall of Famers? Uh, did we lose any this week? Uh, no, hold on. Let me check. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have to do this here no. at the honchos just in no. case. Somebody call I Willie think- Mays. Stat. <laughs> Uh, no, as far as I know, uh, all the Hall of Famers that were alive last week are still alive this week. Although one, not to give anything away, but one potential Hall of Famer may be in a wee bit of trouble. We'll talk about him later on in the show, Graham. But all as far right. as we know, 
you so know, you my phone on this uh, cold open. All right. So if you think this, I found this story a while ago, but I've been saving it until we had a sort of a, a slow cold open week. And this is something to make all of you who think it's been a rough year, which it has just when you think your life can't get any worse, that your problems are overwhelming. I give you British real estate developer, Patrick Dieter, D-I-T-R. It looks like it should be something French, like a Dute, but it's actually Dieter. This is from Vanity Fair, and I'll just read the headline, let it wash over you. Millionaire ordered to demolish his illegally built French chateau. Let's let that wash over you for a minute. Letting it wash. Okay. What we are talking about here are people that own literally castles and the kinds of things that pass for problems when you own a castle. Okay. So, to wit. I hope to be one of these people one day. Apparently, Mr. Dieter, Lord Dieter, after spending more than a, this is from Vanity Fair, after spending more than a decade, it's a long time, fighting to keep his mansion intact, he calls it a mansion to be humble, but again, it's a castle, in December, uh, Ditter was ordered by the highest French court to, within the next 18 months, destroy the custom-built property he calls, wait for it, Wade Chateau Dieter. <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't spend a lot of money on you know naming rights. So here's a couple of the things that, some of the perks of owning a mansion, or excuse me, a castle. Uh, 32,000 square feet, worth 48 million British pounds. Uh, which is about 66 million in American dollars. Uh, it has not one, but two helipads, a saltwater swimming pool, a medieval, a medieval cloister, whatever that is. Medieval or medieval? Whatever. It's okay. evil. Just, yeah. You're it's the history evil. guy. Sorry. It's an evil cloister. Okay. A bell tower, all situated among gardens, vineyards, and olive groves, according to a rental listing. A rental. I can't even imagine what it would cost to rent. Chateau Dite. I'm going to make it French, even though it's British. Uh, the mail, the Daily Mail reports that the 18-bedroom home was made from stonework and doors imported from Italy. Another listing boasts of Venetian chandeliers, frescoes, a library, screening room, a wine tasting room, and a wine cellar. There's also a 2,000-square-foot farmhouse in the property. So this property is no joke. But apparently, when he built said castle, he had verbal permission from the mayor's office to build said castle, but construction began before receiving the official paperwork. Because when you're a million billionaire, a paperwork, who is time to wait for pesky details like, you know, paperwork and permission? I guess he thought I'll ask for forgiveness rather than ask permission. Um, he also, just because he can, paved a 2,000-foot a driveway through environmentally protected lands. And because he cares so much, this paving through environmentally protected lands um, has now caused rainwater to flood the outskirts of town. Oh. So his driveway is causing flooding in neighboring towns. What a prince of a guy this is. Here's my favorite part of the article, though. As if all that weren't enough, Detay seems to be having issues with his neighbors, the adjoining chateau. I've never thought I would say that sentence in my life. The, so the other castles in the area, the adjoining chateau, and it's French, so it's chateau with an X at the end. Um, they have been leading this campaign to get him to destroy the house because, and this is first world problems, this is what people with lots of money complain about, 
They've been leading the campaign to champion the home's destruction because they say DTA's loud partying has, quote, made life in the idyllic setting a nightmare. Oh. His partying has prevented these castle owners from living the castle lifestyle. And here's the kicker. And then we'll move on to the sporty McSportertons part of the show. Um, he, in response to the court saying that he has to tear down his chateau for refusing to ask permission, he is going to counter sue. Are you ready? This is the kicker. He's going to counter sue per his lawyer. He has hinted that they are considering bringing this case before nothing less than the European Court of Human Rights. Would you like to know what human rights violation Mr. Detay alleges? I am waiting here with bated breath. Or let me say that in an English accent. I am waiting here in bated breath, Mr. Cooney. He apparently, Detay believes that it's his human right to luxury real estate development. His human right to luxury real estate development has been violated. So stay tuned. More information as details become available on castle v. castle violence. Well, you know, when you have that kind of money, Robert, you can think whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) That's right. Well, apparently you can say that your human rights have been violated because you have to tear down your castle. Yes. Ah, yes. So you see, folks, everyone's got problems. You may not not deter the detail. No, you cannot. Not at all. Good luck. Good luck with your castle. Yes. And your first world problems. Indeed. No doubt about it. Well, well, Mr. Cuny, I think it's time to start the sports maganza stuff. Here we go. Did you see the game Monday night, buddy? If you had Gonzaga. I I did. You lost. I lost. You lost, buddy. You lost big time. In the words of the great Warner Wolf, if you had uh, Gonzaga plus 18, you lost. And even if you had Gonzaga, you lost. You lost. You were done. Doesn't matter which one you had. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, it's over. You say Gonzaga, I say tomato. Let's just call the whole thing off. Uh, Before we go any further, congrats to Stanford University's women's basketball team, your 2021 women's NCAA champions. Congratulations. First since 1992, and what's what's more amazing about that is it's the same coach. Tara Vanderveer has now been with Stanford for 30 years, 30-plus 30 years. This is her third national championship, first since 1992. So, Way to go, ladies! That program, just wanted to toss that in there. But yes, the Gonzaga-Baylor game was a boat race of the highest magnitude from start to finish. It was, uh, once that 9-0 and then 11-2 lead was solidified on the part of Baylor over Gonzaga. It, it was no contest. It By was the way, the this, is the, of... this is the Baylor University drum band playing right now. Is it really? They've been going live since Monday. It's, it's fantastic. They haven't stopped. So there's a really good feel-good story about Baylor, which I'll get to in a moment. But just the final score is 86 to 70. So I apologize if you had For those Gonzaga of you who do not understand, 15, Mr. Cooney, that's 86-70, he just said. Yes. So if you had Baylor or Gonzaga plus 15... You lost! You lost. All right. Over. So it was not... I mean, they got just... You know what it was? It was a mugging. The Zags went out there and handed over their wallets and jewelry and keys to their cars to Baylor, who just went out and put a hurting on them. They out... As they say in the sports world, they out them. I mean, just look at the rebounds. 38 rebounds 
to uh, the Zags, 22, crushed on the boards. The second chance points, okay, 16 for Baylor. So they had 16 offensive rebounds and 16 second chance points to only five. A team that all tournament long, all season long, lived in the paint with, you know, Drew Timmy, outstanding sophomore player. Excellent with the, name, by the With way. a great mustache. They lived in the paint all year. Whenever they got in trouble, they would feed the ball to the big man in the middle. They only had five offensive rebounds, and uh, their second chance points, again, not as many as Baylor. And the biggest lead was 20 points for Baylor, and Gonzaga never led. I think toward the end of the game, they got it within single digits, but it was, it was a clinic from start to finish. Um, the field goal percentages... Actually, Gonzaga outshot them, 51% to 44%. And, but the three-point shooting was 43.5% for Baylor, 30% for Gonzaga. It was a 16-point deficit that felt very much like it was a 100-point deficit. Um, congratulations to Baylor. They played the better game. They played the tougher game. Okay? They were physical with them. Even their smallest players were muscling them off the boards in the middle. This guy, Mark Vital, who was 6'5", was rebounding like he was you know, Bill Russell. Um, or Shaq in his prime, it was quite something to see. And whether you, and I, with a guy with no rooting interest in the game, it was just a jaw-dropping experience the whole time. Like this can't be right. I knew Baylor was good. We all knew Baylor was good, but we also thought Gonzaga was pretty good. I mean, they were undefeated. They now become the Patriots of the NCAA, going the whole season undefeated and then losing in your last game. Not to take anything away from them. Um, the narrative now will continue about their inability to make it to the final four and actually win a championship. They're a great team up to a point. And this was their best team in years. Probably the best team they've had since Mark Few took over in 1999. But they came across a team that was, I don't want to say more athletic or more physical because so was Gonzaga. They just, they beat them. They did all the dirty work. It was like watching the Pistons, those great Pistons teams from the late 80s and early 90s. And and Gonzaga had no response. Nothing. And people people will say, well, they were you know worn out from the epic game against UCLA in the Final Four game, the semifinal that they won Saturday night. No, as my son said, the younger one, Noah said, I asked him, I said, are they tired? He goes, no, they're nervous, which I hadn't thought of before. Here's a team that's trying to be the first team in 45 years and 76 Indiana team to go the whole way undefeated and win the championship. And they escaped, they narrowly escaped UCLA, a team that had to be part of the play-in game just to get into the tournament. And he thought they were nervous. That, you know, the now fire, the pressure of finishing off what they started might have gotten to them. Plus, again, for some reason, they got away from their game plan, which was to get it to Timmy whenever they needed an easy basket. So I don't think they were tired. I don't think they were emotionally worn out. I just think that Baylor was the better team. And Baylor was ready. Baylor set the tone from the very beginning, didn't let their foot off the gas. I will say this about Gonzaga and Mark Few, their coach. They didn't panic. Even when they were down double digits, which was a lot, they didn't just go for the quick three-pointer to try to make up 30 points in one basket. They still played their game. They were methodical. And at the end, when they had to play catch-up and it was too late, then they did. But for a lot of the game, they tried to stick with their game plan, which a lot of teams, that causes... A lot of teams are plagued by that where they, they get out of their game plan early and then they try to play catch up and it just lets the other team get further and further away. So if you want to say something good about the Zags, they played their game even to the end. 
It was not a great game from an entertainment standpoint, from a suspense standpoint. But it's a pretty good feel-good story for a team that uh, was pretty much uh, in ruins um, and came all the way back. With the coach who's been there almost 20 years, which Scott Drew has been there since 2003. He took over a team from Dave Bliss. And if you're not familiar with the Dave Bliss story, um, he was the former coach at Baylor. And this is why he was the former coach, because after the 2002 season, uh, Baylor basketball player Carlton Dotson had been charged with murdering teammate Patrick Dennehy. What? And former Baylor head, so this is then the coach, the former coach of Baylor, was caught on tape telling players to paint Dennehy as a drug dealer to hide illicit payments and other NCAA violations within the program. And then in, in Scott Drew's third season, the NCAA, after investigating the Dave Bliss mess, dropped the hammer and banned Baylor from playing non-conference games. And he was so depleted of scholarships and available players, he held open tryouts in the third year he was coach, and the team went 4-13. and So this team has come, Baylor has come from literally the bottom to rise to the top of college basketball. So it's, you know, everyone is a fan of Baylor now. So congratulations to them. Um, The best game of the weekend, I mean, the last, the two last two Baylor games they played were laughers. They completely obliterated Houston in the semifinal. I mean, from start to finish, there was absolutely no suspense. And then did the same, almost the same to the Zags. So, so congratulations man. to them. Me and Public Enemy have four words for the guys from Gonzuga, okay? I'm ready. That's it. Don't ever forget, all right? I'm ready. I've got one <laughs> thing to say, four things to say, all right? Hey. Just remember one thing. When it comes to Gonzaga, don't believe the hype. That's right! Don't believe the hype, baby. I tell you, though, they're going to have, as as much as they were exposed, not really, uh, in the game Monday night, they have three players that are going to make noise in the NBA this year. They have Jalen Suggs, who will probably be a top three pick. Corey Kispert will be a lottery pick. Timmy will go somewhere late first, early second. So they got some NBA players. And they have some really good players. This guy, Donovan Mitchell, for Baylor, is just, he was outstanding. So was Turner, the uh, most outstanding player of the tournament. So they got some guys. It's a it's a game filled with today's stars and future stars. It certainly so it's is. fun to watch those guys next year. Okay. You're already looking for next year already? I'm saying in the NBA. Because those three players I mentioned, uh, four players, probably won't be back with their schools. Well, uh, Kispert's a senior. He's done. So next year in the NBA, when all these... All these players flame out. We can play this song again. (laughs) It's not easy, you know, to say that stuff. No. Don't believe the hype. Please don't. Can we talk about that for one second? You've done a brilliant job breaking down the skill set of the teams, the coachings, the star players, the magnitude of the performances. But. But when it all comes down to it. There's always a but. There's always a tuchus. <laughs> that sucked. Oh, the game was, yeah, the game was not entertaining. Thank you. It was only entertaining because you, you felt this warm glow of redemption for Baylor. But otherwise, you know, I, I, I sent my son, I sent the older son, Jacob, a text 
like about four or five minutes in the game, I said, can I just turn off the game now and turn it back on about a minute before it's over? <laughs> I mean, you knew right away that Gonzaga wasn't coming back. Although they did get it down to 10 going into the first, this, going into halftime. But even then you felt like, okay, Baylor's just kind of resting and, a bit. They, were in they the pulled off the side of the road and they'll come back. They were ripping up the sheets. They wanted the story, undefeated yep. team. They wanted all that. And Baylor yep. goes in there. It screws it all up. Now, there was a, a particularly funny exchange, too, uh, in the beginning um, between Grant Hill and Jim Nance talking about the U.S. hockey team and the oh, Miracle that, on Ice in like Cost- Abbott and Costello, those two. Yeah. So funny moments. But Nance was saying <laughs> that <laughs> this was similar to when the U.S. beat Russia. Or, excuse me, the Soviet Wait, Union. What? Okay, he's great. Wait, so listen, listen, listen. listen. Okay, so this is Jim Nance. This is the Nance and Hill show. No way. Nance said that you know Gonzaga beating UCLA in the semifinals and expending all that energy and all that emotion was similar to when the U.S. Olympic team beat the Soviets in 1980 in the semifinal game. Not the finals. It wasn't for the gold medal. And they expended a lot of energy and so on and so forth. And then they still, they still had to get up for the game against Finland. So you know what Grand Hill said? Grand Hill of the line of the tournament. He said to Nance, he said, Baylor ain't, Baylor ain't no Finland. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So. As I said, the uh, Nance and Hill show. Coming soon to a theater near you. No, please. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> Plus, those three guys were like, we were ready to call an exciting, close, nail-biting game. Uh, and uh, five minutes in, they're like, well, now what do we talk about? Done. <laughs> hey, the Masters is coming up. Let's have Jim Nance talk about the Masters while Baylor continues to put a hurting on the uh, Zags. Remember, remember, folks, Baylor ain't no Finland. <laughs> the official motto of the sports hot shows now. Yes, I like that. <laughs> Baylor, in fact, I, in all seriousness, somebody ought to make T-shirts at, on the campus of Baylor saying, Baylor ain't no Finland. <laughs> and then on the back, you know, national champions 2021. Oh, so good for them. Congratulations to Scott. I'm going to use that at dinner parties and everything. Yes. You know. <laughs> and just say it randomly. Like, apropos of nothing. Just when people are talking, sort of sidle up to them and go, hey, Baylor ain't no Finland. I know. And don't believe the hype. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe the hype, baby. All right, it's over. We move on. We move yes. on. Until next March. Hopefully, uh, the only thing about next year is hopefully it will be a, a regular type, you know, yes. Marchy, Aprilish, springy time in the United States of America, full capacity, back at the colleges, the whole lead yep. up, everything yep. else. You know, like like fall evenings in Finland, you know? Exactly, because at Baylor, as we all know by now, ain't no Finland. <laughs> I just find that funny. I, I think that's fantastic. No. All right. Um, do you want? Did you really want to do a survey? You want to do a survey? Um, well, I just wanted to mention that um, this is sort of ties into what we've been talking about with the disparity between men's and women's sports. Um, I don't want to spend a lot yes, of time. By the way, uh, the, the women's championship game. I was played in the basement of a local high school. Wasn't I it? think something like that. Yes. Yeah. On with, uh, with, closed circuit TV. Right. Pu- public with, television. Well, actually, it was just a lot of people's vertical video 
on their Instagram and Facebook <laughs> live pages. So, um, no, it's it's it, real quick. It's um, the Associated Press did a survey of 350, 357 uh, NCAA athletic directors and conference commissioners during March Madness on a variety of subjects, but it was the, the umbrella subject was the difference in men's and women's uh, tournaments. And they were all granted anonymity in exchange for candor and 99%. I'm sorry, of the 357, excuse me, uh, 99 uh, participated. So um, the most important thing to come out of this and something that nobody is really talking about is many people know that there's a push every year during this time to pay basketball players, to pay the football players, allow them to make money based on their name and name image and likenesses and for schools to kick back some revenue to the players. What I hadn't thought about, and I'm fairly certain others hadn't, and this is what the survey revealed is 94% of the respondents in the survey said it would be somewhat or much more difficult to comply with title nine gender equity rules if their school were to compensate athletes in the biggest money making sports. So what this means is to give money to athletes and you can put the name, image, and likeness stuff aside. But if the schools were to compensate athletes beyond, you know, the scholarships, um, where would the revenue come from and what impact would that have on the rest of the sports, specifically keeping a level playing field for men and women? Um, one AD said, sharing revenue with student athletes is not feasible. That only works if universities are then absolved of Title IX requirements. Football is revenues. Re, football revenue supports women's golf, women's tennis, women's softball, women's volleyball, women's soccer, women's track and field on this campus. More than 70% said certain sports would lose funding or be cut altogether if their school offered additional non-scholarship payments to students. So, again, paying players is great. Yeah, there's a good argument for it. But the money's got to come from somewhere. And what these ADs are saying is right now there's a law that says you have to have equal opportunities, equal sports opportunities for men and for women. It, Title IX, um, an act passed in 1972, says uh, it broadly prohibits gender discrimination in educational programs that receive federal fundings. Okay, uh, There should be the same opportunities and the same number of spots available for athletes at schools that receive public and federal funds. So what the 80s are saying is if we have to pay players out of our revenues, then we have to drop X, Y, and Z sports. Because if we can't, if that money, we got to get that money from somewhere. And if it means there's no golf team, if it means there's no swim team, and if this means other non-revenue sports have to go away, that's a problem. And that's an argument that hasn't been brought up enough in the anti-paying players argument, in the, for all the Jay Billises in the world that trumpet this cause year after year during the tournament paying players is a great idea the money's got to come from somewhere and so something's going to get cut something's going to get lost in the sauce as they say if they start paying players i just found that very interesting because i hadn't thought of that i hadn't thought of that angle at all and i'm not sure many people have so i just wanted to bring that up very good mm-hmm. rubies don't take her love to town <laughs> no Name something a hostess does to let her guests know it's time to leave. Yes. Goes to bed. Oh. <laughs> that had certainly tipped me off. Uh, she hits the sack. <clears throat> no. Name something you might accidentally leave on all night. Yes. Your shoes. 
<laughs> this is just part of Rob's survey. Oh, okay. I'm like, what? Why are we playing? I mean, I love, I love me some Dick Dawson and the Family Feud, but I wasn't seeing the connection. Come on. But now I get it. Excuse me. You're a little strange. One of the three bears. Is right. One of the three bears. He said, "Coming." I will tell you my favorite uh, Family Feud clip, and this is from the Steve Harvey years, the less talented Steve Harvey than Richard Dawson. Uh, the question was, name something that follows the word pork, P-O-R-K, and pork. And the contestant said, wait, the contestant said, cupine. <laughs> And I've never seen Steve Harvey speechless. <laughs> but he looked at him and said, you said cupine. Oh, they had to have set that up. Come on. That's I mean, and then good. he said, I'm going to I'm going to ask if it's up there. I will bet everything that I have that cupine is not up there. And of course, it, it wasn't. Was it a setup? Maybe, but it was sure was entertaining. Oh, that's fantastic, man. Because so. you know what? Like I said, you, you, you know, I'm hearing you say survey says. I know, and, and you couldn't and, help and yourself. I couldn't help myself because it just brought back some great memories. I'm just yeah. glad you didn't play the Family Guy Family Feud clip because that gets a little uncomfortable with <laughs> Lois and Stewie. Well, you know I got to find that now. <laughs> well, well, we'll play it in the third hour. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff there, Mr. Cooney, but right now it's time to go to the rinks, the hardwood, and the diamonds. Some hockey, hoops, and hardball here on the Hot Show. Let's go, Rob. Put this hands together. Nope. Come on. Nope. Hockey season's heating up. Trade deadline on Monday. Woo! COVID running rampant in Vancouver. It's crazy Canucks. Our Brooklyn Nets tied for first in the NBA. Almost the best. Baseball started. We're Durant is returning any minute now to the Brooklyn Nets lineup. All good stuff going on. Yep. This is one of my favorite segments. Especially the music part right there. Woo! I love it. But I won't clap. I know. Rob won't clap. Well, look, Sorry. we're going to video soon. So get ready, folks. <laughs> Wait, then I'll, then I'll we're going to make them clap. clap. Actually, what you'll see is an empty chair. I'll be talking off screen. Yeah, I'm hiring a monkey, <laughs> and I'm sending him to Rob's hey, studio. Hey as long as that monkey's one of those that claps their hands. He's one of those face-biting monkeys. You oh, better fantastic. do what he tells you. It's my minky, as Peter Sellers said. Oh, are you a Peter Sellers fan? Yes. Oh, God, oh, he was great. The best. Is that your, those are minky. <laughs> I thought you said your dog did not bite. Yeah, but dog it's dog not my dog. It's not my dog. <laughs> Please watch my minky. <laughs> Sorry. Close we're going to do another. We're going to do an hour now on Peter Sellers' <laughs> Inspector Clouseau. So you guys, everybody join us and again Kato. next just week. The, just we the talk fights sports. with Kato. We're, we're, yeah. next, we, me and Rob are just going to narrate the fights. Yes. Peter Sellers. <laughs> we're going to have a special Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame show and a special Peter Sellers yes. tribute show. All this It'll be the Pete and Pete show. On the Honchos. The Pete and Pete Show. Pete Rose, Pete Sellers. It's good stuff here. These will be available yes. on the uh, the Triple D Diamond, Double DVD, right. Platinum, Honchos. For, for our 
secret subscribers only. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's it called? My only subscribe? What are they called? OnlyFans. Yes. OnlyFans. Let me tell you, that, that company would go out of business if you and I had an OnlyFans account. What are you trying Good to say? Good Lord. Speak okay, maybe, yourself, maybe me. I'm oh. sorry. Paul is dead sexy, as they say. Ooh, he man. could have an OnlyFans. Just Paul and his headphones. They call me drop dead sexy. Right. And his strategically placed Yankees cap. That's That would be it. That'd be the picture. That's right. I'm wearing my, my Yankees cap. So, who are the Yankees yeah. playing right now? Oh, I know. Well, come on. Let's get it out. Let's get it out of the way. Come on. Who was, come on. Who was, who was feeling good about themselves for like three games before they came to the Bronx, baby? I got to taste hey, the reality. Hey, we already had our parade. We had, we went, we, listen, we beat the baby. Red Sox three, you know, three Oh in bean town, as they say. And, uh, that was it. That was the entertainment portion of the baseball schedule in Baltimore is over. We now return you to your regularly scheduled season already in progress. A team that went five games before, you know, I will say this, they crushed the Red Sox and didn't hit a single home run. Didn't hit a home run to the fifth game of the season. Good old Rio Ruiz. One of the best names in baseball, our starting third baseman. Um, yes, they got their heads handed to them by the Yankees because they always get their heads handed to them That's by the Yankees. That's right, baby. But hey, here's the thing. You guys are up two to one right now. Everybody's in, predicting. Uh, oh, in, in our, fourth, top of the fifth, sorry. Everyone's predicting the Orioles to lose like crazy. And so we're never a disappointment because we're doing exactly what people expect us to do. Hey, man, when Matt Harvey is going to start your home opener, you're in deep guacamole. I'm sure there's so. no line on the chowder line in Baltimore. Listen. So, yes, yes, and I saw all of your oh-so-clever tweets. This home run went 1,983 feet. Ah-ha-ha! And, and who got upset a couple of shows back? You didn't reply. You didn't uh-huh. acknowledge. Uh-huh. I, bar- I rarely ever reply to your trolling. <laughs> okay. So I will, uh, I, I just, I will instead, not stop then. I will continue. No, instead, instead of replying, I just shed one Iron Eyes Cody-like tear down my cheek every time you make fun of a team that I like. <laughs> So. All right. Well, there's 473 baseball games left, so I got a lot of trolling left to do. All Good. right, pal. So uh, well, let's start here on the rinks, okay? Um, the NHL trade deadline is on Monday. Do you see your Washington Capitals doing anything since they've already they've picked up all the old guys they could for their team? Is there any old, um, old they'll guys probably left? they'll they'll troll Ingleside, you know, for some more players that haven't played. You know, I, I, I will see what some of the retired Hall of Famers are doing. But, no, I don't see them making really any moves of consequence. Um, no. First place in the division with the Icelanders, man. You guys are okay. It'll be all right. Yeah. Another my, loss my to strangers the might. Yeah, it's all right, though. I mean, you you know, you're up there tops of the league. You're okay. Don't worry about it. Lost I'm so divided. I mean, I hate that we lose to the Islanders because they're the hated Islanders. But each time we lose to the Islanders, I'm like, you know, Trotsy. You're all right. I know. I, I feel good for old Barry Trotz. Speaking of this, over yes. the wire. Holy Breaking shit. news? Yes. Breaking hockey news at 7.59 p.m. by my good friend. Well, he's a friend. He's a, I, got, I know this guy. He's from Long Island, New York. Mr. Brian Compton at NHL.com. Uh, the Islanders have picked up Palmieri and Zajac from the Devils. And they got these guys for first-round picks in the 2021 draft, two prospects, and forwards. What a deal by Mr. Lou Lamorello bringing two of his old devil players over to the island side here 
That is huge. Bravo, Mr. Lamorello. That's those are two guys you get for a run, and that's what they just yeah. got. Right. Well, if anyone knows how to you know build a you know build a Stanley Cup team on the fly, it'd certainly be Sweet Lou. Wow, unbelievable. Yep. Wow. Well, Paul Mary is in the final year of a five-year contract. He signed with the Devils on July seventh. 2016 and can become an unrestricted free agent after the season. So, yeah, he's coming in just to help, man. Yep. Um, the old renter player. Yeah, I like it, man. It's old school. Zay, Zay Jack, I mean, 35 and 30 years old each of these guys. Zay, these are two great players, two guys that just uh, played heart and soul for the Devils. Devils are in a rebuild here. Um, uh, this is good stuff. And I think everybody here on uh, the Eastern Division, the Islanders making a run for it, man. Question, though. Yes, what is, go. is 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 somebody going to step in for Zajac on the Wheel of Fortune and assume the hosting duties? Yes, very very while he's, ha, ha, ha. While he's playing for the Islanders. Funny funny Oh, sorry. Jeopardy joke That's there from Zajac. Cuny. Not comedian or Honcho's comedian right here on want, want. the sports Honcho's. I am oh. actually wearing a clown nose. Uh. Oh no, that's my actual nose. <laughs> Unreal. Bravo. Well, there you go. It starts. Like I said, uh, NHL trading deadline starts early tonight, folks, and I'm, I don't see anything else yet. But um, you you got to believe that since the Islanders have made this move, um, this puts a lot of pressure on some other teams here. Like I said, the Caps here, um, you know, the Bruins. You wonder if the Rangers might make anything. The Flyers, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. And uh, there you go, man. Oh, there'll be. When is the deadline? It's Monday. And did you did you hear this, man? This is your boy here too, by the way. Lundqvist hopes to be cleared for NHL yeah, I return. Saw, I was, was going to mention after that. Was... This guy wants to play again. He wants right. to play for your Washington Capitals. Well, I, I was going to mention that he was talking to one of your former boys, what Kevin Weeks, talking about uh, where he is in his in his comeback. And yes, he wants to come and play and play for our Capitals, and that would be great. That talk about a boost for the stretch run to get the King, even if he's just on but the bench in uniform. King. We don't. We have we have Vanacek and Samsonov, but it would be great just to have him on the bench, just sitting there, even if he doesn't play, just being in uniform. And if we can finally get some fans in the stands, thank you, Mayor Bowser, for not letting us have yeah, fans well, in the I stands. I want to talk to you about that real quick while we're on that subject. After you finish your thought there, I apologize. I was going to say, if we actually had people why in is, the stands. why is that happening? Why are we doing it everywhere else except the Capitol? Um, well, look, I don't want to get into the whole what is too safe, but it was a lot of arm twisting to get Mary, Mayor Muriel Bowser, not easy to say, to get 5,000 fans into Nats Park in an open-air stadium. So she's just very, very cautious um, and taunts to take this slowly all when right. it comes to putting fans in the stands. And plus, as a, as a federal territory, I think she also feels beholden to what the federal government wants to do and the, and the guidelines they've put out. I mean, Homeland Security has to advise Bowser about – or had to advise Bowser about fans in the stands at Nats Park. So there's other things going on. And yes, it's a shame that we can't have fans. I understand some places let everybody come in, other places let nobody come in. So hopefully we get that rectified. You have your hand up. Yeah, Mr. Cooney, I have a question. 
Um, yes, Mr. Cuthbert. It's, it's a geography question, and I'm yes. not going to cheat by bringing up a map here. The where the um, the Verizon Center is, mm-hmm. as far as location near the uh, Capitol and other the MCI Center. Oh, now. it's the MCI Center now. Yes, oh, one I phone company to another. Oh yes, very good. <laughs> I'm sorry, MCI. MCI. It, sorry, for, MCI. Verizon don't. I'm they sorry, MCI has been out, of, been out of business since the Stone Age. It's the uh, Capital One Arena. Sorry, I'm. Yeah, I'm all right, it doesn't sorry, matter. I, and I had it's a, just a name. Anyway, the building, time the building where the uh, Capitals put their ice skates on, skate around, yes. and shoot pucks. Yes, the Capital um, One Center. Thank you. Where was that as far as location? As far as the, all the all the important stuff down there in that area? Uh pretty close. I mean, they're all all those things are, are downtown. Close enough to the Capitol building, at least. So this could also be, and I don't know if it's there, but you have to maybe also consider this could be a security issue, too. Well, yeah, that's why I said, you know, Homeland Security has to get involved because I mean, anytime they do something on the mall or in the district, Homeland Security is always involved because this is federal property. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily connected to some of the trouble they've been having at the Capitol building. You know, the, the what happened on the 6th and what happened last weekend with somebody ramming the barricades outside the Capitol. I don't know. I just think this is at its core, Mayor Bowser not wanting to be wanting to play it safe. Looking at what they're doing in Texas, which you know is drawn the ire of President Biden, um, and saying we're going to play it safe. Now, again, can they have a thousand people in there? That'd be great. So, if imagine the scenario where the Caps are playing in Game Seven. In one of the rounds of the playoffs, you got 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 fans in a 20,000-seat arena, and you got the king on the bench. Just, again, just just sitting there in uniform. Just the potential of him coming in would be enough to galvanize the fans and the players. And you don't think that our rookie and second-year goalies can't look at Lundquist and go, hey, you got any advice? You know, I'm doing the complete opposite of you getting excited about seeing him on the bench and mere I'm I would be scared to death something would happen to him. <laughs> you know? Be scared to, death to see him skating out there and just hoping to God his heart didn't give out or something. You know uh, what I'm saying? Remember this this is the uh, team that's already this is the team that's already seen one goaltender have his throat slashed on the ice. So, you know, we're we're used to this kind of uh calamity. I remember that? Oh man. That was unbelievable. Yeah. So Michael I, I, I it would be great. I mean again Thoughts and prayers. Hope he does what's best for himself. But if he wants to play and he's cleared to play, I think just being wearing the sweater would be a, a lift for the team and would certainly help the two young goals. He's got to wear like electronic monitors though during while he's playing. Somebody's got to be up in the booth monitoring uh, him, monitoring him. If that's the case, he probably is not going to not going to talk about playing if he has to go through all that. But who knows? I need to listen to that interview. I wish you the best. It's just—it's scary just to, to think. Look, I mean, you—I don't know. I, I understand his passion to want to play, but man, I—I I don't know if I'd mess around with that. But Plus, he—he's—he's anyway. he, he's in a city, in a city now that had a team with a quarterback that almost died from a broken leg, almost lost his leg, and came back and played. Sometimes at an admirable level, sometimes not, but he came back and played. Kind of setting the standard for what it means to what kind of an injury will actually keep you from playing again. So there's all, there's a lot that's going into the stew here. But again, I, I, I think Lundquist will do what's best for him. And if he thinks he can play and the doctors think he can play, who are we to say no? Yeah. Well, if he gets back in and he played a range, we'll light him up. All right. I don't care. Light him up. (laughs) 
All right. All right. Speaking but, about people who are not going to be playing anytime soon, uh, 21 players have tested positive. On including Braden Holpe. The Vancouver Canucks. Including former cap Braden Holpe. Yeah, you that's. Got, you got to let go. Well, you have to bring up the former cap. Just let him so, go. He's a Canuck. I, I miss, I miss number and 70. Now, he's a COVID Canuck. He is a COVID He's a Canuck, Canuck that has COVID. 21 players, 25 people all together as of uh, 3.45 p.m. today uh, from the great Mike Bataglino at NHL.com. And it's not just they've tested positive or it's close contact. These Some of these players, according to reports, are in, quote, rough shape. Yes, they're not feeling this well. This report from ESPN.com. So it's not just we tested positive or asymptomatic and we're quarantining. Some of these players are, have been hit pretty hard by COVID. This is probably the worst outbreak in any of the professional sports, any of the four big sports. Canuck um, Staben said rapid spread of infection throughout the team indicates a link between contacts and the primary case. And this is why the NHL has gone to this pseudo bubble, only stay within your division sort of approach. Have any news on the other teams they've played and whether they're doing testing. I don't know whatever the last team they played was. I haven't seen that in any of the stories, but um, whatever team they the played Hoffman last. Was in 83. That was the last time they played. That's how long it's been. Um, no, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen any other reports uh, from any of the, the teams that they were playing. It was. I, I thought it was Calgary or Edmonton, but both of those teams have uh, gone on to play. Um, man, that's a lot of guys. Yeah, so... And there, there's they, talk here. Here's here's a scenario for you. Mm-hmm. There's talk here that, you know, there's one thing where the Canucks are in the standings not going to make the playoffs. So let's say they scrap this. Th- there's been discussion about scrapping the rest of their season for these guys because there's right. just not enough time to make it up. And if they had, if they were to make it up, first of all, I mean, this is just way too many guys. And then you have to wait. And then would the other teams feel confident? Play- this is also the different variant. This is the other thing, too. Right. It's uh, So it's a little – but – so let's say they do cancel the Canucks season. How do they dole out? Can, can you imagine the points being doled out for the teams that are in the top four or five? And, and there's no talk of bringing up the Vancouver's minor, you know, AHL and other minor league it. teams. You can't, you, can't, you can't take everybody off that team. You shut that team down. Right. That's true. They would have the that. domino effect. Yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, and it's funny because the North Division, right? The Canadian mm-hmm. Division had been basically gone the whole season. Mm-hmm. While all the, you know, it all started down here. It's funny. It started in Florida and Texas, right? What a surprise. Yes. <laughs> they, they get through it. And then it's bounced around. Obviously, Buffalo and Jersey had their issues. And, and then you've, you've seen a couple other teams here and there. And, and mostly it's players here, players there. But this, this is no joke. And we joke a lot here on the Honchos, ladies and gentlemen. No, but this is We're pretty jokers. serious. Yes. But this uh, is a whole – I mean, this is the first time, again, in the four major sports that a whole team has been wiped out. And I know a lot of, of the Marlins well, The Nationals had some out. trouble here the last weekend as far as, yes, you know. four or five players, nine total in terms of coaches, staffing, and players. But this isn't, you know, pretty much the entire team like we're talking about. The, the Marlins came close. They had a huge outbreak in last season. And they came back and made the playoffs. Um the NHL is lucky in this respect that Vancouver is not going to make the playoffs. Can you imagine if it was one of the teams leading the division or, you know, at the top of the heap in the NHL standings that talk about complications. Um, and again, 
our thoughts are with the you know uh, players and staffers for a speedy recovery, but you got to we we're here to look at it from how does this impact the league standpoint? What are they going to do? Yeah, right now, the facilities aren't due to be open, I guess, until later this week, which has already been pushed back from earlier this week. So who knows? So the other thing that, you know, things have been going so good in certain parts of the country and you see reopenings and everything else. And, you know, uh, and then you just you see this, you know, meanwhile, up in Cape Cod, the, the variants broken up, broken out, broken out up there as well, too. Which is wild because it's all the way up there in the north. I mean, how, you know, I mean, I know Brazil as a country is in dire straits with this particular variant right now. This right. gets into travel, everything else. I, you know, Rob, just recently, the last couple of weeks, you know, and I'm, you know, we live here in the Northeast, and you know, we're the Island Ranger fans and Devil fans. We're back in the building over here. You know, we got Yankees and Met fans in the building. You know, it's it's opening up here. Obviously, limited capacity, but it's opening up. Right. And California's opening up. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's this is going to be something. I guess we all have to sit here and hang out, and 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 you just got to cross your fingers. Um, what if this starts popping up all the? I mean, you can talk about the Texas Rangers, thirty eight thousand people in the ballpark the other day. And the thing is, is we've been on the show here, right? We had the the Notre Dame fans rushing the field, right? Right. We had um, Roll Tide, Alabama wins the championship. They're all out in the streets. We had uh, uh, people in Tampa crowding Tampa Bay during the parade yeah, after Super the Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl too. Yeah. There hasn't really been any reports of big those becoming big spreader events. You know, like I, I believe, yeah, the only super spreader event in the sports world has been that soccer match in what was it, Italy? I believe well, in back Italy, in the beginning yeah, of the pandemic. Well. I mean, I'm, I'm pointing at you not because I want you to verify. I'm just pointing. I think that was the only real super spreader sports event. That we've seen, and all of these conversations have an asterisk by them to say that's what we've been told. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm always skeptical about information about COVID. Are but we getting I, the I'm real sure numbers? You would have heard. I mean, you would right. People would have physically I, been. You know, if, if things were bad down in Alabama and, and you know Notre Dame when that thing happened. Uh, you know, they did it in Baylor the other night. Obviously, yeah. I mean, right. you got to throw. Now, take this with a grain of salt. I'm saying, not saying throw it out the window in the garbage here, but Texas and Florida, right? And a bunch of other st- states going up the middle of the country here with the, you know, they've lifted all the mandates and everything else, and they've been doing this for a while. Um, but I'm talking about where, where the states that say, quote-unquote, they are reporting the right numbers or um, states that are, have been, you know, closed down and locked down. I mean, look, we've been this way here in New York and Long Island here for a long time. So we're just starting to get out of it. The numbers are down, all that other stuff. But now we're finally getting into the, the things. I don't want to go on too long about this. I think the, the the scary thing is when you see something like this, when you see it going good in certain areas, and then you see it, you you would figure it should be terrible in Texas. It should be terrible in Florida, you know? And it's not happening. They're just doing their things and, you know, whatever. Cases here, cases there. You got the vaccine rolling out and everything else. But I guess there is the potential here, Rob, because it's being proved here in Vancouver that this this could just explode again in in, in any other area. Whether take Forget about sports or just life in general, any kind of business stuff. So we all kind of still got to keep our feet to the ground here with this thing. We're, we're not out of the woods. I mean, I've been fully vaccinated. You've gotten your first shot, yes? First, I'm second shot? shot. Um, no, I'm, one, I'm done. One, 
Oh, Johnson and Johnson. No, actually, okay. I can so, float. I can float now. I can do the moonwalk. Excellent. Outstanding. So, yeah, we just have to remain vigilant and careful. And that goes back to what we're saying about Mario, uh, Mayor Bowser. And, yes, these states that are wide open aren't reporting uh, an uptick in the numbers. But we can't – once you start letting your guard down and getting too comfortable – Everybody, look, everybody wants to get out of this. Everybody wants to throw their masks into a big bonfire and move on with their lives. Open everything up, sporting events, schools, restaurants, bars, theaters, whatever. But as I've said many times, it requires a bit of sacrifice and a little bit more, just a little more. People are getting vaccinated. Almost half the country has been vaccinated now. You know, the news on the COVID front isn't all bad, isn't all good. It's just, it's still there. So we got to be, you know, ever vigilant, as they say. Um, and that's it. That's the bottom line. Sports, non-sports, doesn't matter. It's not time to, you know, wipe our brow and go, oh, thank God that's over. It's still happening. And what's just to wait and see. Because this variant, we've, we have vastly overstated the impact of COVID. But this new variant... That's running around the world now, sort of cycling through. This one's no joke. And this one is actually making children more susceptible. And as someone who's about to, in, you know, in a couple of weeks, go back into the schools, uh, that has me concerned. A couple concerned. of weeks? How long is your break? No, no, I mean, no, I mean, actually physically go back. I mean, I, mean, oh, I started. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I, I mean, I, was, I taught oh, virtually this wow, week. Wow, I'm, I'm sorry. Weeks, Not go back from spring break. break. Wow. Well, I, I'm actually going to be in the building, here, right, with a limited number of students oh, okay. in the building, physically in the building. So, right. you know. It's well, no time to no time to let our guard down. No, not at all. Well, I uh, hope they all get uh, well soon, and uh, hopefully it stops. Uh, you uh, found something, uh, a Tony Amante clip, former Ranger and former Chicago Blackhawk. Um, yeah, it's tell it's everybody what you found. Necessarily, not necessarily newsworthy. It's just it was a story on the. Um, it's newsworthy at now. on the honchos. Yes, the Cam, the Cam and Strick podcast. Hi, Cam. Uh, Cam Strick, former up? NHL enforcer, Cam Jansen, NHL reporter, Andy Strickland. They had Tony Amante on their podcast talking about Mike Keenan. Um, and I, this clip was sent to us courtesy of my good friend, Pat Sikora, long-suffering Rangers and Mets fan from the Isle of Long. Um, and it's just his, his message to me was two words, pure gold. So when you hear this, first of all, the accents are fantastic. But for those of you who want to, who aren't familiar with the work of the great Mike Keenan and what a total bag of shine this guy was, despite leading the Rangers to the Stanley Cup and winning wherever he went, at least in the beginning of his coaching career, now you get a good peek into what life was like to play for the Rangers. So whenever you're ready. And for all of you holding um, little puppies and tiny turtles, uh, earmuffs, here we go. Yes. Office. I, can't, I can only imagine how many times he did that. And so what's the story? He had all the players written on a whiteboard, and, and he ranked you among the other players? Like, take it from there. Yes, you're exactly <laughs> right. So you got Messier at the top, you know, Adam Graves, two, you know, Essa Tekin and five. Yeah. And then you go down the line, and, uh, you know, Sergei Nimchinov, and they, they just keep going and going, and he's like, I got you at the bottom. I'm my name. I'm <laughs> at the bottom of the list. And he says, hey, uh, stand up. I stand up. He goes, go over to the board. Tell me where you think you should be. 
And I'm like, fuck, you know, is this a trick question? But I, I think I should be maybe right here, right under, I'm pointing under Messier between oh. Messier and Graves, one and two. He's like, fuck no, sit the fuck down. You're just a rich fucking prick from Boston. You, your family just gives you everything. You're a private school bitch. And basically I said, fuck you. You know nothing about me, my family, my father, how much money we never had when I was growing up. I said, you're a fucking asshole. And that was that was the last straw when he brought my father up and saying I'm a rich kid. Fuck, we didn't have two nickels to put together when I was growing up. He used to beg my father for a quarter to run to the store and get like a, a piece of bubble gum. But, you know, he, he he just just assumed that he knew everything about everyone. And that's why he's a dick. <laughs> It's just that I love the end. I love that's Tony's accent, man, and that's why he's a dick. And that's why he gets fired wherever he goes. He wears it as welcome everywhere he goes. So yes, Mike Keenan asking in front of his whole team, putting all the players, ranking them one to the bottom, one to twenty-five, I assume, on a whiteboard, and then saying to Tony, "Hey, you tell me where you belong. I think I'm going to try that with my students. I'm going to rank them all one to thirty and say, "Hey, get, stand up. Tell me where you think you belong on this list of one to 30. Pretty ballsy, by the way, of Tony to put himself between Graves and Messier. Why not? Which I'm sure, I'm sure he did as a joke. But anyway, how great is that? And that's why he's a dick. <laughs> that ranks right up there with Baylor. Ain't no Finland. Man. Oh yeah. man! Well, speaking so, of dicks, Rob, it's sponsor time on the Honchos. Oh. Now that. Is a professional segue. Woohoo! Big thanks to Pat Sakura for sending us back clip. Alrighty. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush, and I don't mean the former presidents, George and George W. You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. After using these life changing products, you're going to want to join a ball sack beauty contest. I'm. <laughs> You know, I really should read more. Read these more closely before we go on the air. I'm looking out for you, too, because I also have an exclusive 20% off discount. Use the code honchos at manscaped.com. You know, friends, the other night I was doing some grooming south of the equator using a George Foreman grill and some quick-dry cement, and I thought to myself, there has got to be a better and safer way than using a grill, some cement, or even a rusty menorah. Well, let me tell you, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you do just that. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton, an actual ton, of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer on to help you trim up the hedges, and with Masters Week coming, we want our hedges to look as fabulous as possible. We sure possible. do, Rob. This trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When you trim the hedges, your tree stands taller. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, making sure your balls are smelling majestic before your tinder date that's you know, the word i always use let me tell you something my first thought before i leave the house is do my balls smell majestic i don't know 
I don't quite. I don't think I'm quite at royalty oh, level Lord. yet. <laughs> Better go out and put some more deodorant on. Uh, you'll also find the crop retriever. I'm sorry, the crop reviver ball toner, a spray-on testy toner. You messed toner. up retriever and reviver. Yes, I, I'm, I'm still thinking that, about my that's balls. That's some serious shit things. right there. <laughs> uh, a spray-on testy toner that's designed to make your balls smell irresistible. Be sure to add their refined cologne to your arsenal as well. With a perfect package or performance package purchase, that's not easy to say. You get not one, Paul. Just like you don't have one, well, some of you do if you're John Cruck. But like you have two testicles, we're going to give you two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance reducing reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. Wow, that's a lot. Talk about a handful. Get 20% off and Paul Cuthbert's favorite free shipping. And free shipping, right? The code HONCHOS, H-O-N-C-H-O-S, at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. And always use the right tools for your bush trimming experience. Remember, get 20% off and free shipping. And free shipping. Code, and free shipping with the code HONCHOS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code HONCHOS. It's 2021, and you still got bush? Change that with Manscaped. Get your acts together. Exactly. We thank Manscaped for sponsoring this high-quality podcast. We certainly do. Keep it clean down there. It's springtime. Be your freshest today. And make sure your balls smell majestic. Thank you, Manscaped. As always, we appreciate it. And thank you guys out there. Go get some stuff. Get some stuff. Get a ball retriever, like Rob said, whatever that is. Because God forbid you lose your balls. You want the Manscaped ball retriever. And don't forget to use the code, people. Yes. H-O-N-C-H-O-S. For twenty percent off H- and free shipping. H O N C. Yes, that's right. H O's. Honchos. You can't sell honchos without free shipping. No, not at all. No. All right. So to wrap up this, uh, you know, baseball week here, uh, been a wild week. Uh, lots of stories, bench clearing brawls, and obviously the the All Star game being moved from the lovely city of Atlanta to the beautiful city of Denver. Wave um, Mr. Cuny. And we discussed this last week, and I believe, I believe it's on tape. I believe it's on tape that I said this was about the snowball. It's disaster is what it is. And it has snowballed, and it has not, it's it's gone, you know, it is what it is. But I I predicted it here. I am Nostra Hanchos. I am Nostra Hanchos. You certainly did. Um, All props to you. Um, Look, there's a lot to unpack here, but. The All-Star game is moving from Atlanta in the wake of the the Georgia voter law uh, SB202, um, which some claim unfairly targets people of color and prevents them from voting, disenfranchisement, etc. From Atlanta's Turner Field to uh, Coors Field in Colorado. So, look, I appreciate that baseball wants to take a stand here. But what I don't appreciate is, like I said last week, the people that you're hurting. By the way, it was pointed out today that baseball is moving an all-star game from a city that's over 50% black or people of color to a city that's about 9% black and people of color. So, you know, make of that information what you will. But in addition to 
So the All-Star Game is moving out of Georgia, out of Atlanta. I guess that's a very easy thing to do. But I would like to ask this question. Will Major League Baseball still do business with Chick-fil-A? Will Major League Baseball still continue to have Coca-Cola as a corporate sponsor in some of their ballparks? Will they still be flying Delta Airlines? Hey, if somebody, you know, at Camden Yards in their anger and frustration punches a hole in the wall, will they go to Home Depot to fix it? When they want to send teams off to some place to blow off a little bit of steam, will they still go to Hooters? And finally, if they want breakfast after a long road trip, Coming in, coming home at two or three in the morning, will they stop at the Waffle House? Oh, and will they still show games on TBS? Why am I bringing up all these things just besides tediously mentioning company names? Those are all Georgia-based businesses. Why not boycott them? Rob, um, that, yes. that, that, that's a lot of questions. It is. No, feel free to answer those questions off the air on your own time. Oh, uh, The PGA, now here's some I of the responses. I'm writing my answers down, but okay. okay. The PGA has said um, they have a, a tour event that plays in oh, – besides, we'll get to the other tour event played uh, in Atlanta or in Georgia, a little event we like to call the Masters, which is this week. But there's a season – one of the season-ending tour events uh, is played in Atlanta. And the PGA said, we're not moving. And they, quote, said, citing its financial commitment to the local community and various charities, the PGA Tour – this is from ESPN.com – said it would not move the tour championship. The Tour Championship's commitment to East Lake, that's the club in Atlanta, has helped our partners transform distressed neighborhoods into healthy and thriving ones, which is a key to ending the cycle of intergenerational poverty, the PGA Tour said in its statement. The charitable and economic benefits that have led to these substantial changes would not continue if we simply walked away from those in need. Um, the PGA Tour added, however, our intention to stage an event in a particular market should not be construed as indifference to the current conversation around voting rights. That is a perfect response. They're saying, look, we would move the event, but it would hurt the communities that we're trying to help. And at the same token, our putting a tour event in Georgia does not condone or support or justify this voting law. That's a great response. The Masters is played. Uh, last time I checked, uh, Rob Manfred, who, by the way, is a member at Augusta National, hasn't given up his membership there in protest. They're not moving the Masters out of Augusta, Georgia. Yet. And yet, uh, which I, given the fact that it starts in less than 24 hours, I'm guessing they're probably not going to move it. But my favorite response, because I love when adults act like children, especially in politics, the aforementioned governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, decided not to throw out the first pitch at his hometown Rangers game at Globe Life Park. Uh, out of protest, because if Major League Baseball was going to pull the All-Star game out of Atlanta, he's not going to throw out the first pitch in Texas. I don't know what the two have to do with each other, but he's clearly making a stand. And other other entities have started pushing back on Rob Manfred and baseball's decision. But it's a it's a slippery slope. At, at what point do you stop the boycotting? At what point do you stop denying the people of Atlanta certain things in an effort to force the government to change their ways. They're not going to change the voting law. As Thomas Jefferson once said many moons ago, I know because I was there, the best revolution is the one that you stage, and I'm paraphrasing, is the one that you stage in the ballot box. That the best way to change unjust laws is not to disobey them, it's to vote in new people. That's why we have a democratic system. But, if isn't, the people, but isn't this voting 
situation here a way to prevent ironically, those people from yes. making those changes? Ironically, yes. I mean, you got, I, I, I understand both sides of this story, but you got to roll back, man. You got to keep rolling back to, to why this is even an issue. You know, it's what I said last week, too. I said, yes, it's it sucks. It's, it's affecting the, the local community uh, for this one particular event. But oh, and and by the way, Atlanta and Georgia, historically a red state, a Republican state and Colorado, historically a Democratic state. Again, use that information as you will. Well, I heard, I heard that Texas was offered the game first. Were they? I believe so. They went to Colorado. No, no. that would be that would have been interesting considering Abbott's stance. Manfred said, by the way, uh, MLB's planned investments to support local communities in Atlanta as part of our all-star legacy projects will move forward. And that legendary Braves player, Hank Aaron, who died in January would still be celebrated during the all-star festivities. Well, okay. So you're taking the game out, but you're still going to invest in the community. Isn't that an affirmation of the way Georgia does business? I mean, yeah, I'm, there's a lot of devil's advocacy in here on my part. I'm just saying, well, isn't that the thing right there, Rob? There's no answer to this. There's Except none. If you roll it back even further, and if you didn't have the situation that's going on in not only Georgia but in other states, and the way the state, you know, the, just the state of the states, the state of this country right now. I mean, it's yeah, a goddamn I'm, mess. There's there's a lot more people to blame, woo, way in the past than what's going on now here in the future. And it, it speaks to bigger issues in this country, absolutely. Yes. It does. Uh, absolutely does. I mean, so a few say, years ago. When does the boycotting stop? The question is: Is when does all the other stuff stop? E- you know, either. Right. Uh, obviously, know, when do the when do these if you laws? Can't, these... If you can't, you talked about voting. If you can't vote to make the changes, you know, and, and a lot of these, if I may add, a lot mm-hmm. of the legislation changes that have just recently happened since the recent election. Right. Because. Maybe certain political groups are scared to shit about losing power. Right. Because I just I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just, I mean, it's this is what's going on here. I would just urge everyone, no matter what side of the issue you fall under, you fall into, to look more closely at the law that Georgia passed. The Atlanta Journal Constitution did a nice job of explaining here's how Georgia is in step with other jurisdictions, Democrat and Republican. Here's how they're out of step. And to sort of roll your sleeves up and read what the law does and how, again, Georgia compares to other states before people go totally off the rails. Make an informed judgment as to what this law is really doing because it's very easy to fall into the trap of here's the narrative well, okay, well, and hold not on a second. see if the facts right. support, actually support well, then, that narrative. So, and I'm not, I'm not. Let me just before you jump in, I'm not saying that because I'm waving the flag for SB 202. I'm just saying I think this is one of those moments where people can stand up and say, "Let me get all the facts." I mean, all the facts, not just the narrative, but all the facts, and then make a decision. If you're Rob Manfred, if you're the commissioner of any sport, if you're anybody considering a boycott. Because you don't want the specter of hypocrisy to creep in when you make these sort of grand pronouncements. And like I said, 
Ironically, you're taking an all-star game, a big economic boom from a city that's 50, at least 50%, if not more, people of color, and putting it in a city that is 10% at best people of color, for instance. Take it away. I'm Look, I'm with you on all those points. What I was trying to, I was not interjecting to interrupt you. I'm saying if, if man, if, if the, the right people didn't roll their sleeves up and look this thing through before these decisions were made, that's, that's bad stuff there too. And I guess, unfortunately, this is just, you wonder if that wasn't done and God damn it, things should just be done on a whim right now. But I think, you know, this is, you know, I think the speed of, of the initial change, the reaction, you know, why, why all of a sudden these voting changes, right? So that's maybe you're looking on the outside and saying, oh, well, they're reacting here too. So now there has to be a counter reaction because obviously it's, it's, you know, the good guys versus the bad guys, you know, and every, all the people that get affected by it, which I know you care about and I care about too. Like I said, they get left out at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, you know. There's a baseball game. It's a fucking baseball game. It's being moved from one city to another. Right. You know? It's it's a it's one game that gets played and it's awarded to one city every few years. You know? The the, the you know, so the money, the economics, the politics of it all is got you know, it's it's a shit show. There's no doubt about it, you know? And I think this is unfortunately what the problem is with this country. You know, states are become they're becoming like countries within a state. You know, and as far as people, how they're looking at things. We have, we have, we're a nation of 50 different countries and that's not how it was intended to be. You know, I mean, not to get again too far down the road of politics and political history, but we were never intended to be 50 sovereign nations within one. And here's what I wonder. I wonder if there's any connection. You know, I said Atlanta, uh, Manfred moves the all-star game out of Atlanta. There's pushback from people like Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, other companies that are pushing back on this. Now, all of a sudden, we hear chatter that the United States is considering uh, boycotting the Beijing Olympics, which the White House has vehemently denied, which means there's probably some truth to it. But is that a reaction to say, see, you know, we hear you that it's not right that what's happening overseas is happening so here, we'll boycott the Beijing Olympics, let you know that we think injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. I don't know if the two have any connection, but the timing seems a little more than just a coincidence. Uh, we, we could turn this into the historical honchos here in a heartbeat because there's, there's so much in that story. Yeah. You know, you got two countries that do so much money in business with each other. Uh, you know, there's, there's so much Chinese invest, investment in this yep. country. You know, just, just in, in the in the pork industry because they don't, they don't have enough food to feed their people over in their own country. They have factories here in the United States that are helping to feed their own people. And we've got both of our navies, you know, banging into each other down in the South China sea, you know, and again, you know, it's a goddamn baseball game, the Olympics, it's sporting shit, you know? Yep. You know, and there's people I mean, dying all over the world. There's, there's yep. all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And, yes, we are a sports show. I'm not gonna, I'm not want to get somber here and all deep and all that other stuff. But we got to bring it up because it's part of the, the discussion right now. It's woven into the, the fabric of sports. Yeah, I don't know who has the answer. Line. You know, most for the most part, Rob, all of us, because we're not, we're not living in Atlanta. We don't work for the MLB. and We're just fans. We're on the other side. 
who are on the other side of the fence going, oh, shit, Rob, did you see what happened over there? Yeah. Not happening here, at least yet anyway, but I don't know what to do. No. I don't know what to do. I don't know either. Actually, I do know. Uh, but, it, but you know what we can do? We can keep talking about it because it's still – it's a great topic that will not go away and, you know, we'll be talking about this for a while. I don't not, want to talk maybe, about it. Maybe not the All-Star game, but it. these kinds of supposed injustices and hypocrisies – do, 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 do. That's We're sports. certainly not going to get it all fixed here on the Honchos. No. Okay? But I'll tell you what we, we got to do. We got to turn here and move away from this story and woo, head to the gridiron. Because major shakeup in, in the New York Jets world. Just major stuff. You want to talk oh. about important things? Yep. Got, uh, I mean, got what have the Jets Rex. done? What have the Jets done? Rex. The quarterbacks in the news, my friends. So, uh, start with Sam Darnold or Deshaun Watson? <laughs> I, I, I just led you in with Donald, man. All right. So, Sam Darnold, for the, I mean, they give you a little history lesson for all you, all you non jet fans. Sam Darnold from the University of Southern California, the third pick in the 2018 draft, was acquired. SoCal for you cool cats out there. USC, right. SoCal for you. Yeah, for you cats. Uh, the Jets, to get Sam Darnold back in 2018, thinking he was the quarterback of the future, traded up from number six to number three to select him, giving up a boatload of picks. Uh, a couple second-round picks in that same draft, the first-round pick or second-round pick the following year, um, just to get Sam Darnold. Now, three years later, the Jets are packaging Sam Darnold uh, to the Carolina Panthers in return for basically a, a bag of footballs. Uh, Sixth-round pick this year, a second-round pick next year, and a fourth-round pick next year as well. What this says is that the Jets now, with sitting at the number two pick in the draft, will almost certainly choose Zach Wilson from Brigham Young. Get Zach C.W. coming to New York. Or Justin Fields is an outside possible. They're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. He's going to go to Jacksonville with the first pick. But they're going to get their pick of every quarterback not named Trevor Lawrence and start over yet again. The Jets um, have not, and, and this is amazing, in an era of an NFL that relies so heavily on passing, the Jets are the only team, or one of two, but they have not had a 4,000-yard passer since 1967. Oh, I thought it was Richard Todd. When Joe Willie Namath did it. No, Richard Todd came close. Nice pull, by the way. I'm going to give you that for Richard Todd. (laughs) By the way, neither Paul nor I were alive the last time the Jets had a a 4,000-yard passer. And that's unbelievable. And just to give you a frame of reference, since 2015, which is only six seasons, my beloved Woofskins have had three 4,000-yard passing seasons. All right, so you're the Jets. That's a lot. You're in some deep guac when it comes to the quarterback position. Not Mark Sanchez, not Vinny Testaverde, not Ken O'Brien, not your boy Dick Todd, nobody. The last guy to do it was Joe Willie Namath a long, long time ago. So the Jets are going to start all over again. Look, they they, they, they blew out their coach, Adam Gase. They blew out their defensive coordinator, a couple of clowns in the clown car. Now they have Robert Sala from San Francisco, their defensive coordinator. You know, this could be the start of a whole new era 
No, no. For the Jets. But I fear Dick Karst. No, I fear that Zach Wilson's gonna be just like all the other guys I mentioned, not named Joe Namath. Although, you know, Ken O'Brien was a serviceable quarterback, but they ran into the Dolphins uh too many times in the nineteen eighties. So what this says about the Jets is what a tremendous failure Sam Darnold was. You traded up, you traded your, you mortgaged some of your future to get this guy. And after four seasons or three seasons, you've decided to ship him off for almost nothing. A song as it were. And yes, here in Washington, we signed Ryan Fitzpatrick fine, uh, who also played for the Jets, by the way. And if we had known, if I had known it only took this number of draft picks to get Sam Darnold, eh, you know, maybe I have a little buyer's remorse on Ryan Fitzpatrick. But the bottom line is this. The Jets, that's another disaster for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. A team that owned New York City in the late 60s and early 70s when the Giants were in the missing, in the for witness protection. In the 90s with, you know, Vinny and Bill. Just a little bit. Yeah, and Bill Parcells came to town. They were, you know, on top of the world till they got robbed in the playoffs. Um, actually, they got lucky in the playoffs. What am I saying? Vinny Testaverde a yard from the goal line. They called it a touchdown. Anyway, that's neither here nor there as we mine our way through Jets history. That'll be another podcast, the Jets podcast. So, I won't be a part of that, by the way. No, he won't. It'll just be me talking to myself. It won't even be recorded. Um, so, yeah. So, good luck to the Jets. Whomever they draft, you know, enjoy – Two or three years of, you know, mediocrity at best. Blah, so, blah, who knows? Sam, Sam Darnold, Christian McCaffrey, you know, in that offense led by Joe Brady, the guy that turned Joe Burrow's career around. A lot of Joes in this uh, segment. Who knows? Maybe we'll see a whole new career for Sam Darnold, like Ryan Tannehill got in Tennessee. But Rob, the best that know. those guys can Somehow hope for, it. the best that those guys can hope for is that they'll become contestants. On Jeopardy. Or hosts on Jeopardy. Speaking of hosts, Mr. Cuny. Yes, sir. Are we going to talk about my good friend Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Boy, I tell you. No, I brought up Aaron- Jeopardy to talk about the questions and how they're delivered and how one would answer them. Okay, Mr. Smarty took us. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, in the wake of the passing of the great Alex Trebek, Jeopardy is going through a cycle of guest hosts. Ken Jennings was one. And now they have Aaron Rodgers. They just, as before they decide on who will permanently host Jeopardy. And I will tell you. Hey, Rob, did, I'm sorry. Did you did you apply? I was um, I was told that they had a lot of candidates. And I just at this time, I do not fit any of their needs. But they will keep my resume on file All right. if something should change. Because I, I think you'd be fantastic. Well, listen. I don't want to toot my own horn or ring my own bell, but <laughs> after listening after listening to Aaron Rodgers, I think I could do a better job. Now, yes, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is a handsome future Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion, and I'm just, you know, robbed from the block. But I will tell you, after three days, and I realized it's a small sample size, he's just terrible. He's lifeless. He's dull. Look, I've said for years about Aaron Rodgers – Quarterback talent aside, he is a sour, preening, aloof diva. Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot to it take is, in there. And so that makes him a good host of Jeopardy. Now, the State Farm commercials are brilliant because they ask Aaron Rodgers to be himself, which is essentially what I just said. Aloof, sour, 
way too serious. Um, those commercials are great. They ask him to be himself. But Jeopardy requires a certain level of warmth, a certain level of charisma, neither of which Aaron Rodgers has. Now You're right. You couldn't be the host on that. You're right. You're right, because I have neither warmth, no chair, <laughs> nor charisma, as they say. I will say this, though. Despite the fact that he's about as entertaining as a sponge as the host of Jeopardy, his first show – he did sort of acquit himself nicely with what I consider to be a, a very awkward moment that he handled brilliantly. So let me just set it up for you, and then Paul's going to play the clip um, from the final Jeopardy section. And by the way, when you hear Rogers, just listen to how well he delivers his lines as Jeopardy host. Anyway, the NFC Championship game between Tampa and Green Bay that was played this past January had a very controversial play in it. It was fourth down um, – and Green Bay coach Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal rather than go for the touchdown and the tying two-point conversion um, with the Packers down by eight and Green Bay leading with about two minutes left to play. It was a very – ends up they get the field goal and then Green Bay never saw the ball again. And and there was talk about that for the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl that Green Bay had a chance and LaFleur blew it and Rodgers should have just said, screw you, LaFleur, we're going to go for the touchdown. And even Rodgers himself said – um, it wasn't his decision to kick the field goal. So with all that as a backdrop, I give you Monday night's Jeopardy, final Jeopardy is answer. Daytime TV personalities and a clue. Accepting a Lifetime Achievement Emmy, he said, just take 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are. You have 30 seconds. Good luck. My favorite part of Jeopardy. Just this part. Fantastic, by the way. So energetic. Someone should give him a cup of coffee before he does the show. And, you know, the montage is going back and forth. It makes me angry, this whole show. Not a Jeopardy fan. And it's not because I'm dumb. I am am smart and handsome. Oh, smart anyway. (laughs) We come to Joe Beth on the end first. You were in third place with 8,400. What did you write down? Who is? No response there. How much will that cost you? Dumb. $901, leaving you with $7,499. Again, wake up, Raren. You're on TV. On the end. Scott, did you come up with the correct response? Who wanted to kick that field goal? That is a and the look question. on Roger's face <laughs> should, be, should be correct, but uh, unfortunately for this, uh, this game today, that's incorrect, and you're going to lose zero. Thank you for that, and congrats on your two-day win streak. But the man in the middle, Brandon, could not be caught today. Did you come up with the correct response? So Who is Mr. We, don't, we don't need the rest of these. No, we don't. No, we don't. No. Okay. Um, the answer, by the way, is Mr. Rogers, for those of you that want to know. So, yeah, so even though he isn't a very good host, he handled that particular part. Brilliant answer. Who, my answer is uh, who kicked the field, whose decision was it to kick the field goal? The look on Rogers' face, I thought he was, you know, going to get all, you know, get the, his face all twisted, have that bitter beer face uh, look like, what are you doing? How dare you? But he, he just rolled with the punches. He was being trolled by a fan. And he went with it and even complimented him. Later on at the end of the show, when you, they have the, the post-show chatter between contestant and host, he again came up to the, the same contestant, Scott, 
and said, thanks for being my thanks for being my only friend on the show <laughs> or some such something very complimentary and affirming again how pleased he was to see that answer. Um, uh, by the way, didn't actually address the question. No, sure did. that would have been professional. Unlike that would have put him over the top if he said uh, the answer is who is Matt LaFleur? Yeah, in terms of who decided classic. to kick the field goal. So it's going to be, you know, a snooze fest having him host Jeopardy. And I think his best performance was his first. So it can only go downhill from there. Yes. But good luck, yeah. Mr. Rogers. All right, uh, Rob, one more thing from the NFL before we move on to uh, the miscellaneous section is uh, do you have an update on the Watson lawsuit? The Watson lawsuit. Uh, the yeah. lawsuit involving Watson. So we are now up to 22. <laughs> Lawsuits That's that have been it. filed. We had a couple, okay. couple things come out um, over the weekend, over the last couple of days. So, first of all, two of the women who filed lawsuits actually spoke, identified themselves, and spoke. Um, again, we're up to twenty-two lawsuits, and if you believe Rusty Harden, again the lawyer for Roger Clemens, um, in response to those twenty-two lawsuits, he has. Uh, Rusty Harden has 18 women who will support what Deshaun Watson has done um, and said they, they also massage therapists who have women? never yes, who he's not countersuing he, just, he has evidence to say these women are lying and here's the real Deshaun Watson. Anyway, 22 lawsuits, two of the accusers have come forward. I'd, one of them named Ashley Solis, I'd like to read to you what she said about what allegedly what Deshaun Watson did and it, it, it kind of gets you you know if what she's saying is true this guy's in deep guacamole um i got into massage this is ashley solis one of the two one of the 22 and one of the two women who's come out publicly finally identifying herself i got into massage therapy to heal people solis said to heal their minds and bodies to bring peace to their souls deshaun watson has robbed me of that he took away from me he tainted a profession in which i take enormous pride i suffer from panic attacks anxiety and depression I'm in counseling as a result of Deshaun Watson's actions. I hope he knows how much pain he's inflicted on me emotionally and physically, and I hope he knows how much pain he's inflicted on these other survivors. Rusty Harden, by the way, has countered that by saying that um, one of Ashley Solis's uh, representatives sought $100,000 in hush money from his client, Deshaun Watson, which I think I brought up last week. So it's getting to be more than just a he said, she said. And again, these are allegations. The Houston police are finally starting to investigate these criminally, but nothing, no, no charges have been filed. There's no indictment. It's just allegations. No civil suit has been filed. Well, I mean, has been decided. So let's not jump to any conclusions, but it's a lot of smoke, my friend. And yes, they all tend to follow the same line of inappropriate behavior, all the same actions involving massages and you know, him exposing himself and forcing body parts and other body parts. Well, 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 that's, I don't need those kind of descriptions. Well, I'm just saying. It's, I don't, I don't my need point you to is, do that. My point is, is the details of each one are consistent with the others. Also, in a related note, Nike today has suspended sponsorship of Deshaun Watson. Again, let me reiterate, he's been not found guilty of any crime. They're all allegations. But Nike has said, look, until this is settled – we're going to drop you like a hot potato. Now, the big question, of course, is what's the NFL going to do? The NFL has now decided we're going to investigate. 
Okay. Uh, in fact, I heard they the, were moving. Uh, I heard the, they were moving the Pro Bowl to out of Houston. Yes. Well, that's good because nobody goes to the Pro Bowl. So actually, Houston would would thank the NFL for doing that. The NFL has launched an investigation to Watson under its personal conduct policy. And NFL spokesperson Brian McCarthy on Tuesday called the allegations against the quarterback, quote, deeply disturbing. The Houston Police Department has also launched an open investigation to Watson without specifying what he's accused of. I mean, I think we can guess what he's accused of. I don't want to hear that. But the NFL, you know, this looks bad for them. They can't just sort of sit around and wait. I think I said last week that there were two allegations against Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger many number of years ago, and he was suspended for six games, ultimately reduced to four. The NFL's got to do something. I mean, the NFL, which prides itself on, on its stance against domestic violence and promoting women in their coaching ranks and their front office ranks and, and all the work they do to – further the rights of victims of domestic violence. They can't just, I mean, I know this is their, their highest profile player since Ben Roethlisberger to have these sort of charges against him. They've done nothing. And what this says is that they're again, whistling past the graveyard and hoping this all goes away and they won't have to do anything, but eventually they're going to have to take some action against one of the faces of the NFL and I, I realized I just said he hasn't been charged with anything or convicted of anything. But they at least got to say, look, until this mess gets cleared up, we need to put you on the sideline because it looks awfully bad, especially if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and your guy, the face of your franchise, was benched for far less in terms of allegations. We're talking 22 allegations. And, what Ashley, and now that Ashley Solis has come out and this other woman who's identified herself have come out, and they're very sympathetic and very believable. The NFL is in a pickle. <laughs> the NFL is going to have to do something other than say, we're, quote, launching an investigation. So we'll see what happens. But, it's out of our and, hands. And, and you notice nobody's talking about – if you're the Houston Texans, you're like, why didn't we trade this guy a month ago? Because now nobody's talking about Deshaun Watson being traded. All that conversation has come to an end. Because now, if there is any chance of him being traded, I believe that's now all out the window. They, they need to get the playbook from the Jets in terms of how to distract people. And exactly. Get them to. Not that this is a football <laughs> issue, but it does have a, it does it is going to impact the football news. So my advice to Houston Long is: way to go. You know, good thing you got some backup quarterbacks there in Houston. Yes. Well, yes, that is true. And we will continue to return here for the Watson update and see if he can't get that number up a little higher. Yep, I feel like we're going to be updating this story every week. Yes. All right, well, let's leave the gridiron, and uh, what do you know? We're going to do a couple of miscellaneous items here off the grid a little bit, but both sports-related. Rob has an update on Mr. Tiger Woods, and he's also very upset with the men's national soccer team which is which is very surprising um me personally knowing rob's love for the game of soccer and the level that it is uh because i mean it might change i know oh. major league soccer is going to start here very soon I'm very excited about that i'm very excited about that i can't wait to start talking to mls here on honchos it's gonna be great and oh. also the uh the, the 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 women's professional league too that's gonna be fun too they just named uh, the Sky Blue team here that plays in Jersey, New York. They just changed them to Gotham FC. The ladies are now called Gotham FC. It's great stuff. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like that, actually. Gotham it's FC. It's a better name, and uh, 
the logo is yeah. similar to a certain ho- hockey team that plays here in the area. But anyway, it's certainly it's certainly better than the Wooft. Yeah, anything's better than the Wooft. But anyway, take it away, Mister Cooney, and uh, how's um, Mister Woods doing? So the sheriff, the LA County Sheriff's Department, has finally revealed the cause of Tiger Woods' crash after initially saying that we can't reveal it due to privacy concerns. But indeed, it was found that he was traveling 84 to 87 miles per Ooh. hour on a road that had a speed limit of 45 was and was going 70, 75 miles per hour when his car hit a tree. Um, there's no evidence, still no evidence of impairment or distracted driving. However, um, they did say that there was um, no evidence that Woods actually braked at any point throughout the process of this crash and that it's believed he hit the accelerator instead of the brake pedal. Um, they did not seek search warrants for blood samples, so they don't really know if he had blood, uh, alcohol, or drugs in his system. Um, this would not be the first time that Woods has had a car accident while under the influence or had car problems while under the influence. Again, I've said many times, Tiger Woods is one of those guys who should just get a driver. Hire yourself a driver and you won't get into this mess. But So now we know the cause of the crash, excessive speed, and the lack of braking. Is that the whole story? Who knows? But that's what we're getting. So there's your update on Tiger Woods. You don't want to assume anything, Rob? No. You don't want to take this opportunity to assume anything? Well, I mean, there must be something going on because if he hit the gas pedal instead of the brake and and was going so fast, at the very least, he must have been distracted by something. Perhaps terminology. Was, perhaps, you, you could say, I would assume that. I would he assume might he be. was distracted. Or I would assume he was probably pretty sleepy take also himself off this planet no you have to remember too he's on back medication and he apparently this the schedule that he was keeping um was pretty relentless so perhaps it's a combination of and again we're just speculating here in the han shows this is not we're not reporting any facts perhaps he was sleepy perhaps he was a little groggy um Reflex is a little slowed as a result of the pain medication he was taking after his fifth back surgery. So who knows? Um, so you would again, not this, like this to guy, assume anything. This guy needs a driver. No, I, I waited as far into that pool as I'm would going a, to. Would a driver have necessarily helped him here? Well, that's kind of their job, to oh. drive safely, obey the speed limit, and not be distracted or sleepy. Hmm. Okay. So I just think Tiger Woods, three strikes, my friend. It's time to get someone to drive you. Yes. Um, we wish him well. Really and as for the assume. soccer thing, I don't want to assume not... anything. Yeah, that's why I asked you to assume. Great, yeah, I'll be the one that gets sued. Um, <laughs> it's not that I'm outraged by the U.S. men's you team. You are team. upset. No, what I want to know, as you, as the in-house soccer expert, uh, here we go. What does this mean? What is, is this a big deal? As they say on PTI, big deal, little deal, no deal. That the men's national team has failed yet again to qualify for the Olympics, losing to Honduras 2-1. to one. Well, when they start paying soccer players, baseball, football money, hockey money, and even ice curling money, maybe these guys will show up. But I, I don't know. Look, I mean, are the best American players not playing for the U.S. men's national team? I'm not going to sit here and tell you why, no. All I'm going to say is that this is nothing new. The United States has had a very hard time, which, you know, when you think about the um, thousands and thousands 
Playing soccer is a sport that when you are a young child, your parents primarily put you in because it's really they just want you to run around and kick a ball. It's very right. easy. And then We've you all go been from there. there. And then a lot of kids will go on and play in high school, grade school, local leagues. So there's a lot of soccer going on in this country when you think about it, right? And then obviously we are the melting pot, right? And we have just everybody from Europe, South America, you know, and you just think of all the history of hot, uh, soccer that comes with with all that here. And for some reason, you you would think that we should have like an Avengers-type soccer team that goes out and destroys countries. But we don't. Because I think once you get up into the collegiate level, and because there's really, even though the MLS is trying and we've had the... We've had soccer leagues in, in years past, in the 70s, with the Cosmos and everything else, NASL and all that other stuff. But it was still primarily the biggest stars in the game were always European or South American stars from other countries. You know, whether it was Georgia Canalia, Franz Beckenbauer, Pele with the Cosmos, and on and on and on. Um, and then even with MLS the last few years, too, you've had guys like Beckham, Keane, uh, a couple of French players come over here and don't forget Wayne Rooney came to DC. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I love Wayne, big man, you fan. And he was fantastic. I, I got to see that guy win when he played for Manchester United, when they used to win the glory days for some structural financial geo freaking reason here in the United States. It just, it can't, Happened. The women obviously have had incredible success and have gotten paid less. They have more trophies, more silverware than any men's soccer, soccer team for ages. Um, and, you know, they don't get the respect that they the men's team does. They just can't do it, Rob. I mean, it's 2021. You know, if it didn't, if it didn't take off here like in the 70s with the NASL and, and the Cosmos and how popular um, the North American Soccer League was, I mean, they used to put 70,000, 80,000 people in football stadiums, right? So now all the, the MLS here now is it's a small, I mean, you know, the, 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 uh, the Seattle team, they play in, 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 there's a couple of teams that play in football stadiums, but it's the 28, 30,000 you know, seat things. I, I still can't get it. It seems to be made up. If you've watched the game, and you like a guy like me who's been raised on watching the Premier League, and the and the, and the Italian league, and the Spanish league. I mean, those are the greatest. And the Bundesliga. The and the Bundesliga. I mean, you can't compare. It'd be like me rolling a soccer ball to you, buddy. And I know you're not a big soccer player. <laughs> it's like you're the MLS, and then you know. You know, Ronaldo is 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 the rest of the yeah. world the greatest player. So um, they just can't do it. I mean, you look at the United States hockey program; that's a totally different story, man. Um, they've been incredibly competitive. Uh, the Olympics have been taken away from us, obviously, uh, the last few years, and Canada's won the last time. But the you know the U.S. team has been up there, and you have Russia, Sweden, and you have Czechoslovakia, the teams. But the 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 United States. Hockey program here in the United States, as far as developing players to go on to success in professional uh, in the NHL, uh, is is great. But in soccer, it baffles me, man. It just it just doesn't seem to be. And maybe we'll have to get somebody on the show uh, who has more of an insight on it because I think it's a great question. Why? But they're they're horrible. But you could say the same thing about the Irish national team in Ireland. 
years and years of just the, I mean, the United States is not the only country to be an absolute useless failure when it comes to successful uh, international play. Okay, let's just put it right there. They're not the only ones. Scotland's not running off with titles. Ireland's not running off with titles. You could name this. There's Italy. There's Argentina. Um, you know, there's Spain. There's Holland. Uh, there's well, but France. Argentina's had success when they had Maradona on the team, so it's not as though they've never won a cup. But I'm saying I just named about you know in Germany six, seven right. teams. It's the same Italy eight. It's the same eight to ten teams that play in Brazil. You know that play for the World Cup. Right. Mexico gets close every now and again. You know what I'm saying? But it just doesn't happen. You, right. you would you would think Mexico would have more success. But it just doesn't happen, so there is no explanation. You would have to get a United States men's national team expert on the honchos, and he'll probably sit there and probably say the same thing I said. There's just no, I think, for the American kid or for the, um, you know, the uh, uh, anybody who comes in, an immigrant from uh, and then comes becomes nationalized here in the United States, it just doesn't seem to be enough. There's not enough drive to, to, to make it successful, and it just doesn't Yeah, it, it feels like every every World Cup, you know, there's this push for soccer and excitement for soccer, and then it dies. It, it just does. goes away. Yeah, it's boring. And Sorry, I think that's more, that's more about the, the desire to root for your country and, and feel that sort of solidarity than it is a love for soccer. So, And I'll tell you I'm, what off the bat, World Cup soccer is, is the – most boring soccer of all of them because they all play not to lose. So you get most of them are zero zero draws, ties, shootouts, penalty shots. You got to just watch the European leagues. They're the best, right. and that's the best soccer. Smaller pitches, incredible fan bases, and all this stuff. The World Cup to me is, and then this is what we're talking about. You know, whether yep. it's the Olympics or the World Cup, you know, just let it go. Let it go. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But <laughs> Please don't sing that song. That's way too much time. <laughs> United States men's national soccer team. Okay? Because. All right. But we got it out there. We did. We got it out there a little bit. All right? Take yep. it uh, or leave it. All right. But now. It's. That's right. Top. Fall. The. Dope of the week. Dope of the week. That's awesome, dude. Yes, that's right, everybody. The Gags Gang and I spend countless hours, you know this, each week in the basement of the Go Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner. And you can, for absolutely no reward, save for our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating a Dope of the Week yourself. Use the hashtag DOTW on Twitter in all the usual locations, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Hunch Shows, at Go Sports Media Co. And who will be carrying the mythical Sports Hunch Shows Dope of the Week Cup around the ice rink of shame this week. Why, none other than Paul Pierce, former Boston Celtic and NBA great. Way to go, Paul! Now we can add former ESPN personality to that list. Until yesterday, Pierce was, was on a number of ESPN programs, including signature NBA shows such as NBA Countdown and The Jump with Rachel Nichols. Pierce is one of the best NBA players of the 21st century and is a finalist for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame this year. If you are not familiar with his resume, his oeuvre, as it were, let me remind you. Paul Pierce, a 10-time NBA All-Star and 2008 NBA champion with the Boston Celtics. In 2008, he was named NBA Finals Most Valuable Player. After 19 seasons in the NBA, Pierce ranks 9th all-time in free throws made and 3-point field goals made, as well as 19th... 19 is a lucky number. 19th all-time in NBA scoring with 26,397 points, 
Drafted by the Celtics, Pierce was named a member of the NBA All-Rookie First Team in 1989. As a Kansas Jayhawk, he was a unanimous First Team All-American in 1998. With Inglewood High, Pierce was named California Mr. Basketball and a McDonald's All-American in 1995. His number 34 is retired by the Boston Celtics and the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, what you did not hear was anything about smart and prudent decision-making. One would assume that success on the court is not just physical, but mental as well. Apparently, that crack decision-making was retired along with his number 34. Pierce, in the immortal words of Alicia Bridges, loves the nightlife. He gets to boogie on the disco round. Oh, yeah. Sadly, let's groove out to this for a second. Wow. Oh, everybody. The dreamy Alicia Bridges singing. Sadly, he also likes to take selfies while on said disco round. You know who else likes the disco round and selfies and past and present professional athletes? Exotic dancers, of course. You do not need to be Anthony Bourdain, uh, super sky point for the late, great Anthony Bourdain, (laughs) to know that this is a recipe for disaster. Over this past weekend, Pierce was getting his Alicia Bridges on when he decided to post an Instagram live video of himself and multiple exotic dancers doing exotic dancer things specifically getting a massage by a half-naked woman on a poker table. I guess Pierce forgot that the internet is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I guess he thought his 910,000 followers would keep it a secret. Now look, this is not an attack on exotic dancers and the men who love them. If that is your thing, go with God. But Pierce works, or I should say worked, for ESPN, the Vatican of the television sports media world. Sure, ESPN tolerates its share of drunk drivers, but naked dancers massaging you on a poker table is apparently a bridge too far. Sometimes you have to know your audience. Instead of following in the footsteps of Alicia Bridges, perhaps Pierce should have followed in the footsteps of another 1970s pop star, the late Kenny Rogers. Again, super sky point for Kenny. (laughs) Since this took place on a poker table, he should have known when to hold them, known when to fold them, known when to walk away, and most importantly, known when to run. I cannot recall if Rogers mentions knowing when to snap a few pictures as you are running away, but we can listen to that song later. (laughs) To Pierce's credit, he did not deny that he did the posting, nor did he resort to that old chestnut of, quote, my account was hacked. He owned it. Ironically, what pushed ESPN over the edge was Pierce posting the video to his own Instagram page. I guess if Mike Greenberg had posted the Pierce video to his Instagram page, perhaps ESPN would have given Pierce his own morning show. (laughs) At least Pierce showed some contrition in his post-firing release on, yes, his Instagram. Uh, Wait, no, he did not. Listen to this, friendos. Quote, yo, I love when it starts with yo. Yo, Just want to thank all my supporters and thank my haters and everything. Check it out. Bigger and better things coming, baby. Don't worry about it. You fall twice, you get up three times. Hold on. The math might you fall twice, get three times. Uh, Just always remember to smile, baby. And I can't lose. Even when I lose, I'm winning. So clearly he feels bad about this situation. Oh, well, now that Pierce is gone, ESPN needs a replacement. I hear Myers Leonard has some free time these days. So Paul Pierce for proving that reasoned decision-making is a part-time job for giving new meaning to the phrase Texas Hold'em and for tossing away your cushy post NBA career. Like you were draining a three from the corner. You are the sports honchos dope of the week. Congrats, Paul. Your certificate is in the mail. Way to go. Paul! 
Today's episode is brought to you by Alicia Bridges. Yeah, buddy. Action. Action. Should we wait to play to the hook or not? Sing it, baby. Everybody out there in Honcho Land. Action. Well, buddy. I, I hear all of Paul is uh, going to be picked up by Barstool Sports, so he's going to be fine. Probably. Yeah. But here we go, everybody. <laughs> I love it. And on that note, me and Mr. Yes. Cooney are going to boogie on out of here, baby. We are going to boogie on out of here. Boogie on out of the studio. Before we get sued by the rights holders of this Yes. <laughs> and say goodbye. During this painfully screeching sax solo, yes. this old '70s groove song. All right, we want to thank everybody for listening. As always, here on the Sponge. Oh my God, the sports hunters! I can't. You know that's that's that, that saxophone or that clarinet, whatever the hell it is, man. Making your ears bleed. Uh, well, we want to thank Manscaped. We want to thank all you guys out there for subscribing and listening and sharing. We appreciate it. And with that said, Mr. Cuny, please say good evening to the good people of the sports. All right, Hunters everybody. World. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks for the love. Rate us, subscribe, review us, all that good stuff. Remember, Baylor ain't no Finland. Be nice to each other. Be safe out there. And as always, peace. Honcho's out, baby. We'll see you next week. Well, you'll hear us. But we're going to see you real soon. And you're going to see us. Don't say we didn't warn you. Yeah. And use that Manscaped stuff. That's what me and Rob got to know. Rob's got to go get his ball retriever. (laughs) Hot show's out, baby. Take care of yourselves out there.